welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hey guys, uh, here we are. At the, we have a solution uh, retreat after lunch on Saturday. Um, now the big trick is uh, seeing who's going to fall asleep first because that <laughs> that chili was amazing. I want to tell you that's that's. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Neil, for your amazing yeah. cooking this weekend. Oh my God! Yeah, huh? let's give him some love. Yeah. There you go. So anyway, yeah, welcome back. And uh, where do we leave off? Somewhere on step four, right, Kevin? Yeah, we uh, covered step four, part one, uh, which is the resentment inventory and uh, identifying some of our um, uh, manifestations of self. Oh, my. And uh, getting rid of uh, those resentments through prayer. I remember I was just one constant manifestation of self. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it just never worked. So now, um, if you look at uh, Bill's example on page 65, and I'm uh, reading on page 67... Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. Um, isn't that interesting that, that, that we're just talking about resentments, and then by now he's talking about uh, difficulty. So maybe his resentments have been reduced to difficulties by doing the... Yeah, I wonder that. Certainly, fear has a role, though, and and you know that's that's a, yet one more reason, at least for me, especially why I needed sponsorship because you know I was so full of fear, I I couldn't, I didn't even know where to begin, you know, and and so yeah, this this fear inventory is powerful stuff. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper. Ooh, what's that again? It's an instruction. Yeah, yeah. Pretty clear. Yeah. Even though we had no resentment in connection with them. So, we, we bracketed the word fear next to some of these resentments where, where we've had fear connected with them. But this says we reviewed our fears thoroughly. And uh, even though we had no resentment in connection with them, um, we got them down so... 
that suggests that that we need to look um, further than just our resentments or fears. Um, if you're like me and had um, had a life full of fear, um, I didn't have to look far uh, to find the fears. Most of my fears were were connected uh, with resentments because everything I did was <laughs> fear based. Right. Um, but there were some general there's some general uh, fears, you know, uh, that that kind of came out of that that I listed separately. Uh, fear of financial insecurity or you know financial destitution. Um, fear of um, uh, fear of just not being good enough, not measuring up. Yeah, working twice as hard to be half as good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, certainly, uh, fear of um, fear of intimacy, fear that, of success too, right? Yeah, yeah, fear of yeah, right. Yeah, if I'm successful, what am I going to do then? Um, fear of intimacy is probably something that should be on all of our lists. We're we're love cripples as sexaholics, and. Um, I recognize that that got on my list, and what that manifests itself in all kinds of ways. You know, afraid to even um, be in a social situation where I had to um, talk to someone, talk to meet new people that I'm unfamiliar with. Um, just that. That was always a real fearful situation for me. Yeah, that, that's interesting because I never had a problem with that. And, and in fact, <clears throat> if I was afraid of anything in that regard, it was was how dangerous was I going to be in that setting? Because I, <laughs> I, I'm going to engage. Um, I'm looking. I, you know, I get energy from, you know, being around people and and interacting. And so I kind of an opposite problem. But it also, you know, was problematic too because my agenda was never pure. You know, I was always in it for some selfish, self-driven reason, right? And, and so that had to change. And, and that can be as heavy a lifting as, as what you're talking about. So. so we got these down on paper. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Um, and something I want you to, to just take note of as we read through this section, there are a lot of question marks. And question marks to me when I'm working this, um, when I'm working this step and this part, of this part, this fear inventory, a question mark is a question I uh, need to answer in paper, on, you know, in writing on paper. Um, so wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Yes. Oh, <laughs> it was. Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Hmm. That's for sure. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. Perhaps, perhaps there is a better way. We think so. For we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. Remember, we took step three. We right. trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. 
just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Think about that for a minute, will you? What's serenity? I only ever knew calamity. You know, honestly, the first time into this part of the text, I was kind of lost. I didn't know really what they were talking about. It seemed like this was a better deal than what I had going on. But I never lived it. Matching calamity with serenity. Huh. Interesting. So, we're taking the role that he assigns. We're... We're doing as he would think, as we would think he would have us. We're relying on him. So later on in recovery, some bad things went down, and you know, because that's life. Life has life has bad things that go down. You know, people die, sometimes untimely. Um, you know, and and some of that happened for me, and 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 I would call Bill and and. You know, my mother passed away, and that was hard. And then a few months later, my my half-sister, I only have half-sisters. I, both, both of them are old enough to be my mom. And one of them lives relatively near to us, and, and her and I worked together, you know, to help take care of my mom before she passed. It took a couple of years. And, you know, I've only ever been close to this lady. You know, she's a, she's wonderful. And uh, so her brother, her, my brother-in-law, her husband... You know, pretty much said to me, um, you know, they have four kids together, and one of them is a boy, and and he and I are about the same age, which is interesting because I'm his uncle. You know, it's kind of strange. And he feels like some some things went down when we were kids that weren't really in his favor, and I don't remember it. Um, I certainly don't remember it the way he's talking about it. But that all apparently got back to his parents, and, and so his dad got on the phone after I'd talked with his mom. You know, I'm talking to my half sister, and we're going to visit. You know, nothing fancy. Nobody's making any. Nobody's got to bother with making a meal. Just a Thanksgiving. Say, hi, how are you doing? He calls back and says, uh, "12th of November. It's November 2 p.m. November." Twenty twelve and said, oh, "Don't come." In fact, Bonnie's upset about what happened with you and their son, and, and uh, when she's ready to talk, she'll talk to you. Don't call us. So it's like six people died. Oh. You know, and I had to reset my sobriety before it was over. With. Um, but I didn't go anywhere near where I used to go. I had a momentary slip. I did not have a binge. And I talked to my sponsor about it, and I felt terrible. I felt embarrassed. You know, gave away 10 years. And I told him, I says, Bill, I feel like a freaking idiot. And a, a few other comments, you know, and he says, well, Bob, you know, shame isn't going to be helpful right now. <laughs> oh yeah, there is that. 
And he's right. It's never helpful. And he says, so what I'm really interested in is not so much how much time in the program or what steps you're on or any of that. He says, what I really want to know is what you really want to do. I want to know if there's something about what you want that needs to change and what it is. And I want to know um, if you're willing to change uh, what's wrong with what you want. Because you got a lot of options in front of you right now. So what's it going to be? What do you want to do? And I says, well, I've spent enough time in the problem to know that there's no solution there. And uh, I know it's hard to believe uh, at the moment, but he says, oh, he says, we're not going to throw away all that time in recovery just because you had a momentary lapse. Um, you reset your sobriety. I mean, that's that's fine, and that's up to you, but uh, I understand where you're coming from, and as your sponsor, I, I support that. But he says, here's what I want you to do. If you're willing to take direction, are you willing to take direction? And he got me busy. And he says, now, before we get off the phone, I want you to remember something. Don't ever forget this. He says, um, as bad as this is, how bad would it have been if you'd not gotten any recovery at all going into it? What do you think you'd be doing right now? And you know, you got me thinking about that. So, you know, life has life has all kinds of challenges. It's just gonna throw it at you. It ain't gonna check with you. That's life's always gonna be life. You know, me worrying about it never changed any of it. You know, me, me getting all worked up about it never changed any of it. It still happened. The only thing worry really did for me, and, and the only thing worry's ever really done for me, is just delay me from seeing what God's world is right around me. It just, it just, it just you know, bodily removes me from the, the glory and love of God's grace and love that's in my life. And it gets me consumed on myself again. It turns me inward. It makes me selfish. I have a fear reaction, and then I act out. Worry for me is almost as toxic as, as lust because it just wants to throw me right out of my life. And when I'm living in fear all the time, what am I doing? I'm worried all the time because I'm worried I'm going to get found out. I'm worried about what 47 ways from Sunday of all the bad things that happened. And I let that in. I let that in. And I ended up resetting my sobriety. And so what this last segment of time has been about is just being okay. Learning how to just be okay with life. Learn how to be okay with the fact that I don't have these six people on, on, a, on an interaction anymore, even though they're on my family tree. But I got a, <laughs> a huge room. I mean, there's like, I think the phone said something like 400 contacts or something. I thought, I, don't even, I have no idea I even have reason to have 400 contacts. I, I know so many people now in recovery that either are my mentors or we work this thing together that know me better than any of my family could have ever. And so God's opening my eyes to the fact that, yeah, I know this is sad. People die off. Things happen. People get annoyed. But you know, look what else you got over here, man. <laughs> this crazy doctor in Nashville that, you know, he'll take my call no matter what. What I've done, and he'll help me through it. And I got guys on Tuesday night that'll help me through it. You know, so this is what happens when you work on this stuff. What's next on your go?
Well, I just wanted to point out that, that this is um, <clears throat> this is a promise, um, and, and what uh, back up a second. What is worry but a lack of reliance upon God? Precisely. A I'm lack, trying to take something God. and work it when I should be surrendering it. But here's the promise. Just to the extent that we do as we think He would have us and humbly rely upon Him, does He enable us to match calamity with serenity? So this, this is kind of a, uh, a meter. How much serenity do I have in my life? How much, you know, how, how, how much am I matching calamity with serenity? If I'm not matching it very much, well, yeah, there's probably something wrong with my program, right? Yeah, I'm not relying upon God very much. But just to the extent... Well, wait, wait, wait. If I'm not relying on God, then who am I relying on? Sounds like self. Oh, oh, God, that brings well. Just to the extent that we do as we think He would have us and humbly rely on Him, does He enable us to match calamity with serenity? We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our Creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let Him demonstrate through us what He can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. We ask him. What's that? That's our, yeah, that's a prayer. Yeah. At once we commence to outgrow fear. That's a that's a promise, and that that is that is an amazing. Um, Miracle. At once we commence to outgrow fear. Commence. It doesn't say we get rid of our fear all of a sudden. All of it. Commence means we begin. We begin to outgrow our fear. Um, <clears throat> so there is um, there's more inventory work to do around fear uh, beyond just what, writing the word fear um, next to the resentments. And you can make a, um, a column list inventory similar to the way we did for resentments um, in your spiral notebook again. On the left hand side, write the fear. Um, and then uh, on the right hand page, split it down the middle, draw a line down the middle. On the left side, left column, column two of your entire list. Affects my. What it does affect? How does this fear affect you? Um, and you can use the list from page 65. Self-esteem, security, ambitions, personal relations, or sexual relations. We know it already affects fear because we're, it's the fear inventory, so you don't need to bracket fear next to it. Third column. Where was I? Selfish, dishonest, self-seeking. We already know we're frightened. So it's a simple inventory. What's the fear I have? 
how does it affect me? Um, one of one of those five things: self-esteem, security, ambitions, personal or sexual relations, and where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking? And then we pray for each one of these fears. We ask Him to remove our fear. Was that correct? Hmm? It's on page 68. Page 68. And direct our attention to what He would have us be. So that, that's a simple... That, that shouldn't take very long to do. Just to write down your fears, what it affects, and, and where was I um, selfish, dishonest, or self-seeking. In addition to that, um, Bill has recommended the use of what he calls fear cards... And this goes to the this goes to the part of what he would have us be, but writing down the fears on on an index card, take your top ten fears and write them on one side, number them one, two, three, etc. When I'm in fear and I've got a fear response, my my thinking is not very clear. I I generally don't you know I don't know what to do. I, I get Locked up, you know. Well, and then what's worse is I start making up stuff to do. Oh man! <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, so this card is is useful for me uh, because on the other side of the card, I write for each one of those fears what God would have me be instead. I have a fear of losing my job. What God would have me be instead? He'd have me. Be an industrious and, and um, responsible employee. Go to work. Give them ten cents for their dime. Yeah. Um, be responsible. Maybe even eleven cents for their dime. Maybe, maybe. Especially if I own something. <laughs> we'll get to that in step nine. Right. There's that. Um, Fear of uh, financial destitution. Um, maybe I'm uh, monitoring my retirement fund and the stocks took a dive that day and oh my God, uh, lost all my money. What will God have me be instead? Well, he'd have me be financially responsible, uh, you know, frugal, um, you know, save. Just be... You know, financial, financially, uh, just have some financial common sense. You know. Um, question. Yep. So would he not also want you to trust in him and not worry? About well, absolutely, him? absolutely. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just yeah, I'm, that. no, that's a yep. that's a great point. Yep. You know, and because like Kevin says, these are things we can do, and I think all of us know that. You know, our ability to affect some of these things we're afraid of is quite honestly limited. And and the lion's share of it is completely out of our hands, is it not? And and so if I've got a higher power that I've acknowledged in step two and I made a deal with in step three, um, and I'm communicating with that higher power, this whole this whole phrase that my that Will has always said to me and still says to me when I talk to him. Bob, it's all in God's hands. That's more than just a comment now, isn't it? That's a truth. That's a reality in my life. It really is just all in God's hands. 
And if my creator is crazy about me, he can get me this far to abandon me now, right? So you bring up a really good point. You know, there's only a few things we can even do against some of these perceived fears. And they're not just perceived, they're very real. But maybe there's a homeless guy living under a tree in Royal Oak that I need to get to. Now, do I need to be homeless to get to him? I don't know. Um, but to some extent, what if it's just none of my business? What if it's in all? If if it's really all in God's hands, then I'm going to be care. I'm just going to be fine. That's what it suggests. And if I start to get my head around that notion, now I start calming down. Now the fear goes away. We commence to grow, outgrow fear. And so this these flippant comments that people sometimes get offended by, or or they put them off as trivial. Um, sure enough, yeah, if you're not scared, then they probably are trivial. But if you're scared like me, and, and I'm having a really hard time, and I talk this all through with Will, and at the end of the conversation, he runs this comment by me that, look, Bob, it's going to be okay. It's, it's all in God's hands. I'll tell you what happens when I hear him say that. My heart just swells up, and I begin to tear up. You know, because he's right. And where I feel like I'm coming short is that it's hard for me to believe that, but I know I got it. I need to. And and that's where, you know, gosh, that's that's what I want to grow toward right there. I want it to just be my operating mechanism all the time. That, yeah, it's okay. It's all in God's hands. I want to just be there. I want that to just be what's going on. Because I know what it's like for that to not be anywhere near me. I know what it's like to try to live my life. It's all in my hands. And all I was really doing is I had a firm grasp of the bottom rung of a, rung of a ladder that was hanging off the side of a building and I'm 20 stories in the air. That's what that felt like when I had my firm grasp on it. It was, it was pretty dangerous. So, anyway, yeah. So on the other side of the card, you write the, what, what God would have me be. Top ten fears. Um, Bill suggests laminating that. Carry it around with you. When frightened, pick out the card. What am I afraid of? It's got to be one of these things here. It's, it's probably on there. <laughs> then find a quiet place. You can always find a quiet place. I mean, duck into the restroom for five minutes. Um, to find a quiet place and pray for what's on the other side of the card. I'm afraid of looking like a fool in social situations. Oh my God, I got to go to this this dinner and and you know be a human being and interact with people. I, I am really afraid of that. I'm, okay, God would have me be interested in other people. Oh, there's that. God would have me be tolerant. So I pray for those things, and I go into that situation now thinking about what can I do for the other person? What can I find out about that other person? You know, these these conversations that I have to have with people are, are no longer, you know, self-centered and about me so I don't have to be afraid of looking like a fool or what I am (laughs) 
What about you? You know, what, hey, what do you do for a living? You know, what, that, well, that's really interesting. Um, you know, the, the fear may still be there somewhat, but but it is certainly it, it is um, a lot less. And what what looked like calamity to me uh, is matched with serenity. There was a there was a scene here that I thought I wrote down here somewhere. Serenity. serenity is not the absence of chaos or trouble. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, right. Serenity is not the absence of chaos or trouble. It's the presence of okay. calm. It's the in presence the of God. It's the presence of God and the presence of calm amidst chaos and trouble. Absolutely. That's right. So we are to the next part? So, um, that, that's fear. Any, any other questions about, uh, about anything to this point? Resentment inventory or fear inventory? Any comments anybody wants to make? Okay. We're well ahead of schedule here now. Don't tell me that. Well, <laughs> don't ever tell me that. So, we're, yeah, well, it's probably a good thing because now about sex. Oh, there is that, which is kind of why we're here. Arms done others in the sexual inventory. And why is this on page 69? <laughs> really? You know, so here we are. Probably just so we can remember where the hell it's at. Probably. Thank them for that much. Okay, yeah, there you go. So it says at the bottom of 68, now about sex. Many of us needed an overhauling here. Above all, well, it actually says there, but anyway. But above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Here we find human options running to extremes. Absurd extremes, perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. Oh, thank God. Whew. Now I can breathe. Glad he said that. goes on to say, we do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. Oh, okay. We all have sex problems. All right, well, now you're getting back to it. We hardly would be human if we didn't, right? What can we do about them? So he's about to tell us. It, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, every time he, he asks this question, what are we to do about it? What can we do about them? Invariably, the next paragraph tells us what we can do about it. Which says, <laughs> we reviewed our conduct over the years past. Oh, God, here we go. Another inventory. Yep, another inventory. We reviewed our conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, 
Oh, but this is different. Whom had we hurt? Did we get into that before? Not really. Not so much, right? And then he goes on to say, did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Never. <laughs> well, yeah, we did. Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? Where were we at fault? And what should we have not could we, you know, it's what, or you can put could in there. What could we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. So what's that? We got another assignment, yeah, so right? Now, this whole paragraph is an instruction. Yeah. The whole thing's an instruction. Yeah. Okay. But before, as it, the uh, previous instructions said we got it all down on paper. Mm -hmm. This one says we looked at it. Yeah, I get to, he's got to kind of take us step by step through this, doesn't he? Right. So now here we are. We 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 reviewed our acts, our our conduct. We've asked where we've been selfish, dishonest, and considerate. We asked whom we had hurt. What did we unjustifiably arouse? And we have bad responses. And then we looked at it all, and it goes on to say, in this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. Oh, now we're changing it. This is not only where it has gone wrong and what has happened, but it's like we're putting a stake in the ground right now, and from this day forward, we're going to go about this stuff differently. We're going to go about it differently, and this is how. And the this is how part is formed out of what went wrong in the past as a frame of reference. Well, that's powerful. So here we are. We have... We subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We ask God to mold our ideals and help us live up to them. Now, what I want you to, to know here is Bill could have jumped in there and said, was it selfish, was it this, was it... He could have put a whole bunch of stuff in there. But I think what happened is he, he, he went over and over and over this and realize that there's really only one driving seeming major main motivation in this sex problem and it's self it's selfish selfishness and 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 I think back and, and Will and I talked about this last week and and he says Bill you know subjected each relationship to this one test was it selfish or not he says he could have put a lot of stuff in there and he didn't Think about that, Bob. Think about all you're acting out. Was it not all just selfishness on your part? Why were you involved in that? Of course, it's all selfish. And if we take that part out, you know, it stops. So we remembered the ways that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised or loathed. So we shouldn't be getting all bummed out about this stuff. It's just that we need to deal with it differently. So what we're going to do is shape a sane and sound ideal out of <clears throat> what has gone wrong in our sex life. And the list is long. And so what, what could we have done instead? Well, I shouldn't have hit that. I shouldn't have been hitting up on that girl. You know, or I shouldn't have you know, I, I, I should have just, 
I shouldn't have been dabbling around on that website. You know, I, I shouldn't have, you know, I could, I could have just logged off and paid attention. I could have said, you know, there's, I could have said, you know, when I'm in that room talking to that person and there's something in the background that's distracting me, I could have moved and so I was looking at that person from a different angle so I didn't have to see that in my background instead of being distracted all the time while I'm standing there talking to that person. I could have left my, you know, if, if I'm a guy that's ever done something I shouldn't have done with my wife's sister, I could have just left her alone. That's what I could have done. You know, now it's not on my list, but I know there's people that have done stuff like that. You know, so the list is long. Let's look back at my sexual past and say, what could I have done? And this is the way we shape a sane and sound ideal going forward. And you can't do this by yourself. You've got to have somebody that's sane and sound. Because if you're like me, if I'm doing this by myself, I'm still, I'm still consulting with an idiot. You know, and we go back to why I have a sponsor, right? That's just why to have a sponsor. I can't do this part by myself. So whatever, whatever our ideal turns out to be, at the bottom of sixty-nine, we must be willing to grow toward it. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm, provided that we do not bring about still more harm in so doing. In other words. We treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. Um, you got a bunch of notes on this next question. Yeah, uh, so this is... This is, we often refer to this as the sex inventory. Um, I, I prefer to, uh, to call it the harms done others um, because it's not just about sexual relations. We subjected each relation to this test. There are lots of relationships that I've had with people um, that were not sexual and that I've, that I've harmed. I've done some harm. Um, was it selfish or not? I have um, I have relationships with uh, you know coworkers. Where have I harmed them? Um, maybe I've I've uh, you know gossiped and talked behind people's backs in order to discredit them and make me look good. Oh no. So that I would get the promotion and not them. So that's gotta go on here too? They gotta be. Was that a selfish oh, yeah. uh, relationship? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um so we, we start with start with the the relationships that are closest to you in 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 our case, in Sexaholics Anonymous, those are invariably going to be right. sexual relations. Um, and, and get those down. Uh, list those down and, and answer these questions. Now, th this, this part of the inventory is really um, 
not so much a list. I mean, we, we list the people. But for each person on this list, um, write a paragraph, a few sentences. Not in columns, just use short answers, not just yes or no, um, but write about a paragraph on each person. Um, and, um, and then write, you know, how, answer these questions um, in, in your paragraph. Uh, we know whom we hurt, we listed them down. Um, where had I been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Well, with this person. Um, did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? Mm -hmm. What was what was my fault? Yeah. What was my part in this? We, we, we had this discussion at, at lunch. Is, do the words my part appear in the big book? They don't, but... Um, my, uh, where was I at fault? Where were we at fault? And what should we have done instead? This is right here. We got this all down on paper and looked at it. So those are the questions you should answer in writing a few sentences about each person um, whom you've hurt. Um, and then don't forget the prayer at the bottom of page 69. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. And we will get more into that in step 8 and 9. Um, but this is, this, this is real important to get this down, and it's real important to not burn this when you're done with this. Yeah, there's that too, right? Because I'll, I'll give you a little bit of, uh, um, of, of a foreshadowing here, or a little bit of what's to come. When we get to step eight, it says we made a list of people we'd harmed. It became we made it when we took inventory. Yeah, we already have it. <laughs> so if you burn your, burn your, uh, your, your step four, and you get to step eight, you're going to be doing a big... Oh, I shouldn't have burned that. Right. <laughs> um, so I'd like to uh, continue reading to the end of this chapter. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with persons is often desirable. I would put it stronger than that. But, um, but we let God be the final judge. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Remember, we're looking for a sane and sound ideal. Um, and after you've done this step, after you've done your fifth step with your sponsor, you may want to revisit this and 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 write out your sane and sound ideal for your future sex life. But suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Does this mean we are going to get drunk? Some people tell us so. But this is only a half-truth. It depends on us and our motives. If we are sorry for what we have done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we will be forgiven and will have learned our lesson. If we are not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. We are not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. Interesting. 
So these are some observations so, uh, about uh, Bill's experience um, working with other people, other alcoholics. Right. Yes. Yep. You're exactly right, John. Being here all weekend, I'm in SA, so I'm looking at AA through that, but then that thought just hit. We're in the blue book, not the white book, talking about all the white book stuff. <laughs> yep. So, Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we don't mean to confuse you, but you're right. Okay. Yeah. No, if you, if you read a little bit of uh, Bill's history um, in, in other uh, sources, um, you will you will learn that, that Bill was somewhat of a of a philanderer. He was wearing some symptoms, quite a few symptoms. And there wasn't any SA back then, but he if there had been, it's very possible he would have qualified. And of course, it's out of our own enlightened self interest, so it would be really up to him. But you know, he has a story that that I suppose could put him you know, easily into our fellowship. So for him to go on and on on page 69 and 68, 9, and 70 about this, um, I just arbitrarily let him be qualified to speak to it because, you know, if nothing else, firstly and obviously his alcoholism, the way he does alcoholism isn't terribly different than the way I do sexaholism, first of all. So there's just that one basic and obvious connection. But then when you look, like Kevin said, at his story, um, his story um, you know, enables him to have an authority of experience to talk about this too. So for us guys in this program, I think that's very useful. So again, um, we, we have this um, ideal, sane and sound ideal, and if we fall short of it, um, Depends on what our motives are. What you know, if, if we're sorry, if we're really, if, if we're really remorseful about about having done something to fall short of that ideal, um, then uh, and and we have an honest desire to let God um, take us to better things. Um, then says here, we believe we'll we will be forgiven and we'll have learned our lesson. But if you're just going on and and continuing to hurt people. The same way, then, then there's been no change. It's well, if you're going to just keep going on, then what does that suggest? Suggests you're really not interested in what's been exactly. Here, maybe, right? Exactly. To sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity, and for the strength to do the right thing. Well, that's a lot. In that's one a, a direct prayer. We earnestly pray. I must have used green for prayers because this this one's green too. If sex is very <laughs> troublesome, imagine that. We throw ourselves the harder into helping others. Whoa! What? What do you say? We throw ourselves the harder into helping others. Wow! Throw ourselves. Don't just kind of ease in there and yeah. help others. We, Throw ourselves. What's that look like? Yeah, I know, right? The harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. 
This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. Hmm. What do you think he's talking about here, the, the imperious urge? Yeah, good question. Sounds like craving. Sounds like lust to me. But yeah, exactly. Our, our brand of craving. Our, our brand of... Oh, craving. yeah, you remember that, right? Yeah. Is that what it is in here? The imperious urge? Mm-hmm. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge. When to yield would mean heartache. Yep, there it is. If we have been thorough about our personal inventory, we have written down a lot. So this is this is kind of summarizing the whole whole inventory bit, all three parts. We have listed and analyzed our resentments. We have begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. In this book you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you have already made a decision and an inventory of your grosser handicaps, you have made a good beginning. That being so, you have swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. Hmm. So these are these are the fourth step promises. Um, and we've been pointing out promises along the way here. Every step has some some sort of uh, um, result uh, to look for. Um, and when we speak of the, the, the promises, in quotes, um, and we, we read them sometimes in meetings, what we're really talking about there are the ninth step promises. We'll come to those after step nine. Um, but these are the fourth step promises. We begun, uh, we've listed and analyzed our resentments. We've begun to comprehend their futility and fatality. We have commenced to see their terrible destruction. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men. Wow. That never happened before. Even our enemies. That's all new. We looked on them as sick people. Faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Interesting. Um, Also, I want to note about this uh, grosser handicaps thing. If you have already made a decision in inventory for grosser handicaps, doesn't that speak? You know, this isn't gross in in the in the term um, in in the meaning of um, you know ew ick. It's gross meaning Extreme. bigger, large, Extreme. right? Yeah. So, so when you're doing your your first four step, don't worry about all the little minor detailed things that, that you might have to dig for. Get the stuff that's right on top. Get the get the big stuff out of the way. You know, if, if it takes you longer um, than a couple of hours to write out your resentment, 
you know, you, you're going too far. Um, all the time I get uh, um, sponsees get to the fourth step and they get stuck there. Working on it for a week, two weeks, a month, a year. I know, right? It's like, what is, you know, it shouldn't take that long. Spend a couple hours writing out the, the resentment inventory. Take a little time to go through the fears, and then the harms on others. You should be able to do your four step in, in, probably, in probably a day. Maybe take a couple sessions, you know, around a meal or something. But um, if, if it takes longer than eight hours, um, you're, you're, you're doing something wrong. You're, you're digging too deep. You're either digging too deep, doing something wrong, or just procrastinating it. Yeah. So get to those grosser handicaps, and uh, because this isn't the last one you're going to do anyway. Yeah, it's just the first of many, right? <laughs> it's all right. Um, you should probably take a break. Yeah. So at this time, um, we'd actually like to to. Take some time to do do writing on your four step. Let's let's take about an hour um, and um, just find find a find a quiet place and uh, go through those instructions, starting with the resentment inventory. Um, and because our time is limited here, you know, again, just get the get the main ones. Get get your top five or ten down. Yeah. And uh, they move on to your, your fears and harms done others. I, I think the harms done others, the fears should go pretty quickly. The harms done others might take a little bit longer, but shouldn't take too much longer than, mm-hmm. than the resentment inventory. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. All right. And, and Bob and I will be floating around here if you have questions, um, want to share something, or um, need some help with that. Okay. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.